Welcome to the Swim Swam Podcast. I'm your host, Coleman Hodges. Joining me today, we've got a very special guest. He's an Olympic champion. He's a world champion. He's an NCAA champion. And he's the fastest man in history. Current world record holder in the 50 and 100 meter freestyles. Today, we are talking to Cesar Cielo. Hi, Derek Coleman. How are you? doing well how are you doing today i'm good man i'm good just uh doing my thing you know stay staying around the pool and not practicing like i used to but uh i'm still involved a lot with swimming with my social project team in brazil and uh, it's pretty cool to to share that all, all of that stuff with you today yeah so that let's let's get started with that with kind of the present um you just made a move and, and, you know, you just moved locations uh, to the south of Brazil. Give us an update on just where you're at in your in your swimming career in and out of the pool right now. Yeah, so so beginning of last year, I just moved from Sao Paulo to, to Santa Catarina. It's a place, I think, where a lot of the foreigners are, are going to know because of the beaches. We have the, the most beautiful beaches of, of the country. And a lot of people come here for the New Year's Eve. It's very famous around the world. So I, I really suggest you know, and, and could say to everybody, it's worth it. So if you guys could spend what, you know, the very last week of the year here, uh, you guys are going to you know, have great parties and great beaches to visit, great places to go. So uh, I'm living in the south of Brazil. Uh, I'm not training like I used to. I'm going to be very honest uh, when it comes to, to my workouts. Uh, I'm still involved with training. I, I try to train at least uh, six to seven times a week. So it's one time per day. And uh, been doing a lot of projects here with, with my institute. I brought uh, my main base of the institute to the south of Brazil. So now we, we are trying to expand everything we do with the, with the social projects that we have. And, uh, and some other stuff like redesigning uh, a line of, of kids' swimming suits uh for you know uh range from four years to 12 years old uh using using the character they they developed for me here in brazil so it's a little bit of sport a little bit of business and uh and i'm really glad i moved to the south man i think i i believe i, I moved in the right time just before the the covid started last year and uh here it felt like it was easier to go uh through that through that time especially last year when it was really strong uh, we we kind of kept our, our routine or you know everyday uh tasks uh, a little closer to normal than I, I believe if we were in sao paulo so uh i'm in the south of brazil and uh the plan is to to expand swimming here in the state so it sounds like you're, like you said, a little bit of training, a little bit of business. You're, you're expanding your own personal business and, and your social projects, which is awesome. Um, I know f just from the media perspective in the last couple of years, we've kind of been playing this game where it's like, oh, he's kind of retiring. He's almost retiring. He's like, well, like we don't know, but we, you know, <laughs> when you compete uh, in the last few years, it's kind of like, oh, he's, he's still, he's still doing it. So I just have to ask you, 
from, from a swimming perspective, from an athletic perspective, do you still have things you want to accomplish in, in, in the pool? As a swimmer, I no, I'm going to be, <laughs> give a straight answer. Uh, I'm, I'm going to answer that and say that, that I feel very fortunate to have accomplished, accomplished everything I wanted and even more. I mean, if you, if you were to tell me when I was 13 or 14 years old that I was going to have 19 world championship medals, I was going to tell you that you were crazy and thinking of something completely out of this world. So I feel, I feel very fortunate to have had the opportunities that, that I had to have accomplished everything. And I feel that's the toughest part, man. I mean, you kind of lose a little bit of that urgency from when, when you're, you know, you're just trying to win your purse. And uh, it, it's, a tough, it's a tough moment in a career. It's a tough moment to, to keep doing what you, you know, always have done and being very successful just to do it again. But... Uh, for me, I feel like I still can help swimming in Brazil, like not as a swimmer. Like, I feel like, you know, if, if I want to do something in the pool, it's very personal. I, I have done everything I, you know, I wanted and I've done everything I could. And I feel like I've, I've done my part. That's, that's the feeling I have here in Brazil. Now it's up to the younger guys. And if eventually I feel like, you know, I'm going to try to, you know, make a relay or try to, you know, get a spot in the national team I, I you know could consider it I don't intend to completely quit swimming uh even if I still swimming you know smaller meets and uh and some competitions <clears throat> in Europe and uh Mexico always has some some good meets to go to uh I intend to keep you know participating in those but as far as national team and like gold medal style training and way of living mm. I think that that phase is, is, is in the past for me. And uh, I'm just going to try to help the younger swimmers to reach that same level uh, in a way I can, but this time more as a mentor than as a swimmer. I feel like that's a really unique perspective um, because I think a lot of swimmers either stay in the sport and are, tra and are chasing that top level for, for as long as they are in the sport or they just step away completely. Right. And they're like, I'm done with swimming. Swimming takes a lot out of you. It takes so yeah. much to perform at that top level, like you were saying. So as, as you know, where you're at today, where do you feel like your relationship with swimming is, you know, what, why still train at some level instead of just saying I'm done with swimming completely. Well, I feel like the, the, the whole business of swimming has changed a lot too. To be honest, I feel like uh, he at least I don't know how it is in the U.S. right now, but I feel like my generation, the one that between like, let's say, like 2005 and 2016, let's put the Olympics as, as the end phase of it. I feel like the, the sponsorship, like the long term sponsorships uh, are gone. So now it's all about, you know, getting a few posts or doing, you know, something very, very small for the for the companies. And uh, honestly, like I was, I was fighting the pool for a long time, you know, just having, you know, a very tough time whenever I saw a swimming pool. But I feel like, you know, I'm in peace now. And just being around the pool and being at least at, at a decent level, it, it helps my businesses here. So, you know, if I, if I go to, to my swing clinic, I don't want to go there and, you know, just swim a 12-second, 25-meter freestyle. 
You know, I want to try to pull a, a 9.9. You know, that's the <laughs> challenge. So to swim at 9.9, I know I don't have to work, you know, train like 14 times a week. If I, if I go to the pool once a day uh, from Monday to Saturday, it's more than enough. And uh, for my swim clinics, I want to be in shape. Uh, for the, you know, all the social medias, it is better if I am in the pool and if I'm in shape. So it's, it's a different relationship with the sport. I think because of, of where the money is right now and how people are perceiving the sport as far as like your image and, and how you promote your image. So I feel that that's my perspective. I, I just feel like in the, this, you know, has worked really well for, for the internet where, you know, being in a decent shape and being active on, on social media close to the pool, it's, it's good for me. If I stay out of it, you know, it, that means I'm completely gone and, and then I have to work everything like I have I have done in swimming. You know, if I want to work on I don't know, like let's say TV or something else, I'm gonna to have to start from the from scratch. But that's you know, since that's not something I'm considering right now. Just being around the pool, it, it helps a lot when it comes to to the image. You know, to maintain the image alive and to 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 promote the businesses. Makes makes total sense, and I think that's super smart of you. Uh, to, yeah, to stay around aquatics, to be in the pool, you know, like you said, it's good exercise. You want to be able to pop, pop a nine second, 25 at a clinic (laughs) and who doesn't, right? (laughs) uh, Exactly. Yeah. Makes total sense. And like you said, you're staying active on social media, you're promoting your things actively. And and that's, that's going to be good for business. It's going to be good for everyone, especially when you're trying to motivate kids to, to get in the pool and to, to be that next uh, wave yeah, if I had change. to say, Coma, I think that's one of the the main the main priorities of of this whole thing, because the what I have in my my institute here is try to tell the kids and teach them really to see the sport as as a tool where it can really help your life in many many ways. So I tell them all the time, like I did not pay for for my education. You know, I had the opportunity to live in the U.S. with a scholarship. And, you know, if I, if I didn't, you know, had uh, all the medals, if I didn't have the medals I have today, I would have a, 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 an international diploma to come back to Brazil with, the, you know, with, a, with a degree from the U.S., which would be very valuable for everybody. So uh, I just try to tell them how it works. You know, maybe you're going to become a champion, but if not, just try to get as much out of the sport as you can. And, uh, and this is the main, this is the main message for, for the kids that follow me on social media, for the, the kids that are in my institute is just see a sport, the sport as a way to open doors and not just to, a way to become a champion. It's a great message. And I, I, I love that message. I think talking to people who come on the podcast, we've kind of gotten that message of like, yes, swimming is a part of who I am, but it's not who I am. And it can lead to so many other things and give you so many tools. And, uh, so, so speaking of, that's a perfect transition because we want to dive into your past a little, we want to hear some of your, (laughs) some of your stories. You have such a storied career. And I think we, I, I would like to start with your time at Auburn. Um, and so, so beginning with that, you know, how did coach Marsh uh, recruit you? How did you end up at Auburn? Were you, did you get there in 2006? Now I was there in the, I started the fall of 2005. Okay. Uh, there's some, t- some things in life, Coleman, that 
uh, you just don't know how and why they happen. But, it, you know, it, sometimes it's just, you know, plain luck of, of, you know, just life throwing opportunity to you. And in 2004, the, the World Championships in short course meters were in Indianapolis. And I was just finishing high school. So okay. every time I got out of my race, man, I, I just got a card from somebody from some school. <laughs> so every time I was, I was going through the, through the media, at the end of the line was a guy with some university just asking me how my English was and if I wanted to study in the U.S. So uh, when I came back to Brazil, I had, I don't know, man, like 15 different little cards uh, <laughs> offering me like some sort of scholarship. And I got to know David at, at the World Championships. And uh, I, I don't know, man, some, some stuff is, some, some of the things you just can't tell, you know, just can't say why. But I, I just felt like, a, I don't know, I just felt like a good vibe from him. And once, like, once I met him, I was like, I, I didn't even know he was the coach of Auburn. I didn't know he was coaching at the time. Fred Busquet was Uh, one of the hottest sprinters uh, during that time, like breaking the short course meter records all the time. And uh, and I, I didn't know, but once I met him, I was like, man, I, I like this guy. Like there's a good energy between us. And uh, we, we started talking at the time, Dave Durden was still in Auburn. So once I get there uh, in the fall of 2005, Durden moved to Maryland, I believe to be the head coach of the, yeah, the University of Maryland. And uh, I started to work with, with David, and uh, the assistant coach was, was Charla at the time, Aaron Charla. And I just, I don't know, man, it's just one of those decisions that you don't really think about it, but it worked. It, it just worked from the time I met David, and everything just felt like was like right at the right time, in the right place, and... Uh, Most of the time, I'm not going to say 100% of the time, everything was super nice and easy. But uh, it felt like, you know, everything was under control, uh, especially for me, like going to a city like Auburn, where it was very easy to move around. Uh, my English at the time was not, was not great. It was good enough for me to, you know, pass the test, go to school and do my thing. But uh, I was, I mean, we didn't have the cell phones that we have today at that time. I was still using those radios to talk to my family, and uh, but that, that this is how I pretty this is how pretty much it worked for me to to actually go to Auburn. I was between a few schools at the time, but from the beginning, from, from the time I met Marshall, I was like man, I I just feel like I should go train with him. And once I get to Auburn, I see Fred Bosquet, I see George Bovell, and I see all of those great sprinters, and it just it just Felt like you know, you know, this is nature putting me in a place where you know I'm. I now it's just my. I just gotta do my part to succeed. Yeah, I mean, and and we gotta talk about that training environment. Like you said, George Bavel, Fred Bousquet. I mean, that's just that's just the top yeah. of a totem pole, right? Um, I mean, what was it like having a training environment? Have you had training partners like that before in your life? No, no, <laughs> it was tough, man. I, I mean, I think that the, the hardest part, Coleman, to be honest, was it, and I think that's the hardest part for any foreigner and not just us like going to the United States, but even if, you know, the, the Americans try to come to Brazil, go to Europe, I think adapting to the culture, I think is the main thing. 
you gotta you gotta learn how you know people think you gotta learn how you know they act how they do things because sometimes you, you might get upset and you know people are not doing anything to hurt you or on purpose or anything like that and this is i think this is the toughest part because especially for the the latin the latin america man <laughs> we are very you know yeah, people that like to touch each other, we hug each other all the time and stuff like that. In the U.S., everything is a little more, a little more distant. Mm-hmm. And I had to learn a, a lot of things that were not usual to me. And one of the things that I had to learn was the the competitive environment. And this is, I, I think, this is the where the U.S. stands out. You know, the it, everybody feeds off. The competitive, the competitiveness. I think you know the the thing is about racing all the time and being challenged all the time is is something as normal as getting out of bed. You know, it, it, once I was you know I was in Auburn my first year. I wanted to challenge Fred. I wanted to challenge George all the time. Uh, Matt Target was there with us. Uh, Alexi Puninsko at the time was a great swimmer too. We had we had like five guys to go under 19 seconds at a time, like in 2006, <laughs> yeah. 2007. So uh, I, I believe in the 07 NCAA, we had four or five guys in the A final of the 53. So it was it was a crazy group to train with, and uh, the thing is that we we kept this very you know tough environment to train at, but it really prepared us. For the meets, it almost like w- when the meets were, were coming around, it was like almost the easier time. We're like, okay, now it's just get together and race. You know, finally, like I'm done like racing every day, these guys all the time because it was all the time. And uh, <laughs> it was tough, man. It was tough. But I, I believe that that was very, very helpful to me. And I think that's why I had the most successful, you know, time of my career while I was still in the US because I, I really, I, I feel like I feed off that that kind of environment, and uh, it was interesting to see how, like in '06, when when I was a freshman, and I, it was my time to challenge everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I became an Olympic champion in 2008, and then I came back. I was like, okay, now I'm the king of the castle. Take it easy, guys. And it was the completely opposite. I felt like I had a target on my back because then everybody wanted to challenge me and. I heard things like, oh, today I'm going to take out the Olympic champion. Now I'm going to be the world champion. And uh, it kept me it kept me going uh, to the same level I was going. And I think that's why uh, for those years, especially 2008, 09, 10, and 11, those four years that I, I was still in the U.S., I, I kept such a, a high level of, comp- of competition because I was, I was just competing all the time. Like competition was was in in our dna yeah i'm getting goosebumps just about these stories i mean was put us there in one of those early practices maybe you know was was there a workout that stood out to your freshman season or or a time you remember when you're with alexi matt target Fred? you know marsh marsh was overseeing things and and was there a practice that stood out or a workout that stood out to you as being like this this was legendary or this like was a breaking point for someone well it was a breaking point for me man <laughs> just listening to you asking uh that question i thought of a uh, well monday mornings and friday mornings we had uh, a workout that was just called just called power workout 
Mm. So we went to the gym and worked as hard as we could. And then right after, straight up to the pool for like 40 minutes. And we would do something like between 25 to 35 sprints uh, with different distances. And I remember at the beginning, in 06, in the, the spring of 2006, I was just getting my ass kicked every day, man. Like, and I was, you know, here in Brazil, I was pretty good. I was, you know, kind of winning a lot of things in, you know, in, in my team. I was winning a lot of meets. And then when it came to, to Auburn, I was like, we had that. We, we used to swim with T-shirts and stuff. And uh, we had the green jersey for the best sprinter of that specific workout. And for that semester, man, I, I did not get the green jersey once. I was just getting my ass kicked all the time. I, I did not get what was happening, man. I was, I was swimming. I was like, okay, now I'm losing to George. And now I lose to Target. Now I lose to Fred. And I was like, how? Like, I'm going to be terrible in the meets. I was like, man, what am I going to do? Because I, I, I believe the school is expecting me to swim well with the scholarship and all. And I'm just getting killed here in the workouts. And, uh, and I remember when it came to the SECs, the, my freshman year SECs, I was swimming. Then Scott showed up. Scott turned <laughs> later. He, he would become my coach. But at the time, we were swimming together. And he showed up out of nowhere and qualified, I think, lane four of the prelims. And I was like, Jesus, another one. So I was like, now it's George, <laughs> Matt, Scott. I was like, well, what is happening here? And uh, But it was interesting on, on how, like, kind of, being away from the everything I, I didn't understand how like the, the power workouts really were like uh, you know like as team building stuff and the the u.s culture and all and mm-hmm. i didn't know like i was leading off relays and for me i was just i was leading off really and sometimes i was swimming very well and that that gave me a lot of a lot of energy to to kind of you know in motivation to to start to believe myself a little more because uh, during the workouts, my freshman year was was very hard, and I, I just felt like uh, once we got to SDCs, man, I was like, okay, I got my ass kicked, but this is what matters, you know. Like I, I can't lose every day in the workouts, but you know, I just need to win once, and this is it. Like if I win in the conference, if I, you know, if I try to be the best swimmer uh, at the NCAA, that's what matters. So uh, it turned out <laughs> the way I was planning. I ended up winning the 50 and 100 freestyle at, at the SECs in my freshman year. But uh, even even then, man, after that uh, that conference, I was still getting my ass kicked all the way to NCAA. And it just felt like I was racing like monsters, man, all the time. Like they would like pop some crazy times like, ah, let's do a 50 like with touch pads. And I, we would see like 99s and 198s all the time. And I was like, my God, man, like, how am I going to do that? Like, I, I don't work really well in the workouts. Like, I know how to perform in meets. Mm. But, like, when it comes to the workouts, I'm always, the, like, the time that's going to push harder, you know, harder than everybody else to make it harder. And not, like, I, I, like, I didn't care if I was going, like, a 20.9. But it was tough to see, like, you know, a 19.7. And the, I was going 20.9. And I was like, man, I, maybe I'm making making it too hard for myself now. Like I'm pushing the gym too hard. <laughs> like, so it, it was tough, but I believe the coaches did a great, a great job just maintaining a healthy environment because uh, when it comes to that level of competition, 
having Fred, having George, like, you know, you have three out of the best five in the world working out every day together. You, you kind of have to have a feeling of when to push it, when to stop it. And I believe uh, David, Fred Hawk, those guys have a great feeling of, of how to pretty much conduct everything we were doing. We, and we've heard that before of you get all these top swimmers in the same group and it's like, you can't just go head to head every single day. Um, yeah. which, yeah, I mean, it just, it pushes it too much, like you said. Um, and so then that second year in 06, 07, it seemed like you really kind of reached the next level and started to really adjust. How, how would you describe that in terms of, um, being in the United States for a year now and, and really yeah. finding your form? I honestly, I think that the turning point was the Pempex in 2006, uh, they were in Canada at that year, and it was my, my first long course meters uh, since the time I spent in Auburn. And I swam a 49.2 and a 22.4 at the time. And uh, that really put me in a place where I felt like I was good enough to compete with the others. I felt like yards, okay, like we're doing something and we're trying to go 18, we're trying to go 41. But I, I don't know, I just felt like, you know, at the time, uh, Weber Gale, Wildman were a little ahead of us. Even though we, we had a great group, I felt like those guys, uh, Colin Jones was still swimming the NCAAs too. Uh, those guys from Arizona, the South Africans, mm -hmm. I just felt like they were one step ahead, even though I felt like we were a very good group. And then after the Pampax, I just felt like, okay, like I'm very close to them. Like now it's like, it's, it's a real competition. I, before I felt like a little kid racing Schumann, racing uh, Lyndon Ferns and Simon Burnet. And after the Pentax, I was like, okay, I may be a kid, but I'm a fast kid now, man. Like let's, <laughs> let's race. And then I just, I just started the year differently. After that, uh, we had the nationals in Brazil right after the Pentax. And I went 48.8 for the first time. My first time going under 49. And uh, I say that all the time, Coleman. I feel like as swimmers, we need, it. We, we need one great swim. You need to see, you need to feel, you need to execute one great swim to change your life. And I felt like that was one of the main swim, the main races I had in my life was that 48.8 I did at the, at the Brazilian National. Because I just saw that, I was like, okay, and I feel like I have a lot to improve still. Like I still have technique to, to get better. I feel like I still can, you know, gain more power in the gym. And uh, just felt like one of those races that it was the beginning. Like I touched the water. I was like, okay, this is, this is coming together. And once I got back to Auburn with that 48.8 on my back, I was like, okay, nobody's stopping me now. And this is, this is my time. Like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push the envelope a little more. Then my sophomore year went great. Yeah, just it's it's just one of those years that everything works, man. I mean, 2007 was a year where I, you know, signed up for more classes and everything came together. I was, you know, I, I tried a semester with 18 hours and I was still swimming great. You know, I was still swimming really well. Uh, everything I was doing, man, and I just felt like I got stronger in the gym. I got faster in the pool. 
my stuff, I, I don't know, maybe I was a little more organized, but I feel like it was the time I really started to, to take control of everything. Before, I felt like I was more passive uh, of everything that's, that was happening. And then in 07, I was like, okay, I'm going to take control of this. This is like, this is going to be intentional. I'm going to challenge people. I'm going to do things my way. And then I had that 41-1 swim at Minneapolis and uh, the 18-6 a couple of times. But uh, I mean, even though there were great swims, I'm going to be honest, man, as a foreigner, like I didn't know what, it, what they meant. <laughs> I was like, okay, yeah. for, honestly, I saw that. I was like, okay, 41-1. I was, I was like, oh, I think Irving was 41-5. I was like, ah, that's pretty good, man. Because Irving <laughs> was always a guy that I used to compare myself to. But uh, 2007, I, I believe it really, really shifted. Uh, my career to to the direction it started to take from the from the for the next years yeah i mean and and like you said every everything started to shit 18 hours in college is no joke especially if you're swimming the best swims you ever done but uh i think every athlete has had that period where everything's just clicking and if you know if life's good then the pool's good and if pool's good then life's good yeah um, exactly so it sounds like it was a really good year and really good kind of transitional year for you. And then, you know, you start Olympic prep, you know, towards the end of 07. And I mean, did you, did you have specific goals for that Olympics, especially yeah. after that year? Yeah, this is when everything went south, man. <laughs> I don't know what happened, to be honest. We had the, the world championships in 07, right after the, the NCAAs. In, in Australia, and uh, it was a tough transition, man. Right after that 41-1 and the 18-6, we went to long course uh, to the other side of the world, and that pool just fell long, man. It just, <laughs> it was it was way too big for the time. But that 103, man, in 2007, that one gave me the hope I needed. Uh, I was leading the race all the way to the, let's say, 88-meter mark. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the races that I believe I have watched the most. I just, I just like when the commentator is like, oh, the 19-year-old is leading. The 19-year-old is going to win. And he died. So <laughs> it happens to everybody at some point. But that, that, little, that little comment, man, it was like, this is it. Like, I, I came right after, you know, short course yards to the long course meters. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'll, I'm, I'm the youngest here. I have the most room to improve. I'm going to win next year. I was like, I'm going to win the Olympics. This is it. So we started working to the Olympics in, in the fall of 2008. But it, I don't know what happened. We, we started to, I, well, I started to swim terribly, terribly. The workouts were not happening. Uh, just for you to have an idea, I finished the year with a 49.2 and a 22.4. And I was, that year, I was a 21.8 and 48.4 swimmer. And I, I, I don't know. I don't know what happened. It was one of those, those semesters where everything just didn't. I, I was doing everything right. I was eating correctly. I was sleeping well. I was doing my thing in college. Then we, we started to work for the NCAAs in, in the beginning of OA. Everything kind of got back to normal. Uh, then I, I went to uh, I got to that forty point nine hundred meter swim or mm-hmm. hundred yardest swim, and uh, eighteen four, and that gave me a little I know a little energy to get going for the Olympics, but then again then again I don't know what happened again the workouts did not 
were going as as well as planned. And I, I when it came to the Olympics, I asked the staff to lead off the relay because I felt like I was so bad that I needed I needed more feedback from the races I, I could swim before my own race as much as I could. So I was like, mm-hmm. okay, if I'm gonna swim bad, is you know better to swim. Uh, at the relay and on my individual race because our relay was was just trying to make to the final and we, we knew uh, to get a medal was going to be very, very hard. So I was like, okay, I'm going to use the relay, you know, as as a race for myself to, to get this feedback and try to improve uh, in a couple of days. But then I saw everybody just flying, man, in there, really. It was, it was crazy to see those 47s and 46s just popping out. Uh, and it was tough to see those those competitors. I mean, especially my rivals swimming so fast. And then when it came to the to the prelims, I swam worse than the relay. I swam a forty eight one, and I I just felt like my Olympic dream was was going away. To be honest, the the prelims and the semifinals where I finished fifth in the first semifinal, I saw that fifth mm-hmm. place and I was like, this is it. Like four guys are going to swim faster than me in the second heat. And I'm going to watch the finals from the stands. Like, I thought I was going to make to the podium, and I'm not going to make to the finals. Like, this is one of those devastating moments that every swimmer has. And I I didn't know I was going to make to the final all until, like, lunchtime because I just left. I saw this. Uh, I saw my fifth place. I just gave a terrible interview to the Brazilian media. I was upset. I yeah. left. I went to the village. I was like, I'm gonna eat by myself because I was so, I was so pissed, man. I was, I wanted to kill someone. So I saw that like a team of volleyball players from I don't know, like Sweden or something. I was like, okay, I'm gonna we eat with them because I don't want, I don't want any Brazilian talking to me right now. Mm-hmm. So I was there, sitting there <laughs> with the volleyball guys from Sweden, I think, or Netherlands, I don't know. And then Brad somehow found me. He was like, hey, you're in lane eight. I was like, uh, what you mean? He's like, yeah, you made it to the final. Only three guys beat your time in the second heat. But I was in, in such a terrible mood, man. I, I, I just looked at him. I was like, okay, great. I thought I was going to see the final from the stands. But hey, I'm going to see from the VIP area. I'm going to see the medals <laughs> for the other guys go very close to me, even better. Yeah. And you know what's better? One more chance to just, you know, make myself look terrible in the pool. So I was just I was just in a terrible, <laughs> terrible mood. Come I think everybody goes through one of those. It's it's a tough moment. And I just kept like I, I don't know, it's it's hard to get out of that cave of depression when once you get in. And I just felt like I mean, especially I on the biggest out. stage. <laughs> yeah. I, I just felt like my dream was over. To be honest, I like I was just like, okay, I'm in lane eight, and the entire world expects me to finish eight. Like, oh, great. And it just felt like it was kind of like a charity from the Olympic Committee to me. Like, hey, just give a lane aid to him because uh, he's a cool guy. You know, <laughs> this, is how, this is the stuff I was thinking about, too, you know, being very, very sincere here. And, uh, but I don't know what happened. Once I woke up and uh, at the day of the final, I was just like, okay, I got to change. I got to switch everything I'm doing. Like, you know, I tried at the relay. I tried in the prelims. I tried in the semifinals. It didn't work. Like, whatever I'm doing is not working. I got to change everything and uh, do things differently because I can't expect a different result if I do the same routine again. So, like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get to the pool earlier. I'm going to do my things, you know, 
uh, with more time and, you know, take my time to, to do the things I want the way I want. But once I got to the pool, it was the very first time, man, the very first time I saw the pool and I thought of my race. Because before that, I was only thinking about the medal. All I could think about was the Olympic medal that was going to fulfill my dream. And then once I got to the pool, I saw the pool. Then I saw some of my rivals getting in. And I was like, Matt Target is in that fine. He's my teammate. How the hell is he beating me? What, what is going on here? Like, I beat him every day in the workouts. A lot of times he beats me. I beat him. Like, I, I need to swim better than I am right now. Like, there's a friend of mine in the final. And, like, I'm just crying myself here because, oh, my God, I, they gave me lane eight. So I, that was the first time I started to think about, about the swimming itself, like the execution of the race. Then I saw some other guys getting in, like uh, Eamon Sullivan, like uh, Alain Bernard. And I was like, okay, everybody's human. And we're just here to swim in the same pool that we have been swimming our entire lives. The pool is 50 meter long. And it's crazy to think when, when you have a stage like the Olympic final where the crowd is full of people, you know, there's cameras on the deck. Uh, you have seven strong men close to you ready to, you know, do everything they can to get a gold medal. But at the end of the day, all you got to do is just do your fastest 100 meter freestyle ever. Like you don't have to, you know, swim out of this world 100 meter freestyle because it's an Olympic final and it could be the last chance of your life. And it's a chance for your country to make to the podium. No, it's just a 100 meter freestyle. You just got to cross that pool in and out as fast as you can. And it gave me, it gave me a lot of peace. Thinking, thinking this way gave me uh, a lot of confidence and a lot of peace. Like I even started to see how uh, those adversaries were you know, just moving and doing their stuff in the call room, something that I hadn't done until that point. And I started to see some of those guys like getting their goggles and shaking their hands. And I was like, okay, he's nervous. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> and I started to see some of those things and it, it kind of put me in a place where I was like, okay, I'm, I'm my, I am myself again. Like I'm ready to race. I'm playing the game of, you know, kind of looking with a, you know, tough eye to somebody. I'm watching somebody feeling a little nervous. I'm ready to go. And then I just I put my best race together. And it was one of those moments like the 48-8, the, the Olympic final in the 103. It was one of those races where I touched the wall and I knew. I was like, man, this is, this is, this is me. Like, this is what I can do. This is what I can deliver. And I didn't even see the result at the time. But once I touched the wall, I was like, okay, I'm satisfied. I was like, I, I don't care if I'm eighth again but I put together a race that, that I feel proud of. And I think that's the most important point of the turning point really of, of the, those Olympic games for me. Then I saw it tied for, for the third place with, with Jason, with Lisek. And it was, I mean, it was the, the cherry on the top of everything, man. I, I, when I saw the medal, I was, and it was even funny because uh, Eamon told me a few years later, he was like, man, I saw you crying with the bronze medal. And I was like, I don't know how to react. I didn't know what to say to you because I was like, <laughs> does he know he has a bronze? Like, yeah. and I was like, man, I was, I was just happy with myself. It wasn't the medal. I was like, I was, I was proud of myself 
in, in for the first time in a very long time. And once I got that medal, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm the fastest man here. I'm back and I'm going to get a 50. So uh, it was one of those moments where it changed my life, it changed the, the way I see things and the way I saw my races and, and everything else. And that was a great story. <laughs> um, I mean, and that's, you know, that's one thing that I think a lot of people remember you for is being on that metal podium and, and really just showing your personal side, showing your emotions. Did, was, did you feel like you felt that more getting that bronze and, you know, tying for bronze in the hundred meter free or days later when, when you were on top of the podium after the 50 free, when you won gold? They were very different, well, different feelings and moments like in my head. Like uh, one of them was like, I felt like I was in completely, complete control of the situation. I, I really felt like before the 53 final, I was like, I'm just going to lose to myself. Like if I control myself, if I do my, my own things, if I execute it the way I know I can, like nobody's beating me today. I was like, there's nobody can, that can touch me. So I just got to keep it together. So I don't beat myself. That that was the main the main idea be, be behind the fifty, and in the hundred it was was the surprise of you know putting something together at the right time, uh, in the right moment. But uh, when it came, when it comes to the the, the fifty three especially, like it's funny man because uh, the first thing I saw once I touched the wall and I saw the scoreboard, I saw that I did not break the world record. That was the first reaction I had. I saw lane four, position one, my name, 2130. And I was like, damn it, it's not 2128. I was like, <laughs> Jesus, I wanted to break the world record so bad, so bad. And, uh, but like two seconds later, I was like, ah, I don't care. I saw number one, I'm an Olympic champion, whatever. Like, this is uh, the, the moment of my career. But it, it's funny, man, because like, I felt like I lived that moment for so many times. I remember like when I was 13 or 14 years old and I started to do some extra work in the, uh, in the pool. Like once my friends were leaving the pool, I asked my coach to, to give me some extra sets to work on underwater turns and some other stuff. And uh, I really enjoyed those extra workouts because I was, I was an Olympic champion every day during those workouts. I, I used to imagine Ian Thorpe close to me. I used to imagine uh, Gustavo Borges, a uh, Brazilian guy that has four Olympic medals, close to me. I used to, to imagine Biondi, uh, Tom Yeager, all of those guys. And I, I used to play in my head like, oh, it's Caesar against Matt Biondi, Caesar against... And I used to win all the time. <laughs> so it was one of those moments in, in, in my practices that I really enjoyed because like, I was playing that movie in my head so many times. And once I got to swim that, that 53 final, like it really felt like I was there before. Like getting in the podium, it felt like it was a moment that I had lived many, many times before. Like I saw the podium and I saw the stand. I was like, I've done this before, man. I was like, I lived this before. It's, it's incredible how the mind works because like even in the workouts by myself in the pool, like I used to get some tears inside my goggles just imagining that that moment and uh and i remember before stepping in the podium i was like yeah 
it feels like I imagine, like it, it's as good as you think. So it's uh, it's it's a it's it's hard to describe in words, man. It just feeling very proud of yourself and being able to accomplish uh, what you what what you visualize you can do. I think it's one of the like the most incredible moments of of any human being. Like it, you imagine you're good. You imagine you're doing something great and you execute it. So it's it's hard to describe. It's a it's a, a dream come true, but but better better because the dream is reality. So uh, this is what I tell the kids all the time. I was like, you know, you can dream big, but execution is is the main thing. So live your dream every day because you never know. But be ready to, you know, sometime in your life to, to get an opportunity to show in, in, in your life because if, if it does, like, you're ready to go. It's, it's, it's great to hear that. And those, those are good words and, and good advice for everyone listening right now. Uh, you know, this is the best in the business. So listen up. But so, I mean, obviously you, you, like you said, that stint from like seven to 11, seven to 12, that was, those were your, some of your finest years and that you accomplished, you were able to, to accomplish so much. Um, but you know, it was an interesting time in the sport because in 2008, 2009, we had the suits, right? We had the super suits yeah. and I, I would, I have to ask your opinion on them because they, they were introduced yeah. right around 2008 NCAAs. And then you obviously competed with them at that Olympics and then in the world championships, you broke the world records in them. How did you feel about the suits? It was interesting, Coleman, to be honest. I, I mean, we didn't get to swim the, the NCAAs with them. Mm. At the time, we, we were still wearing the textile uh, bodysuits. But it's, uh, for us, I, I believe it's just like, it's, uh, I don't know, man. I never see it as, as a good thing or a bad thing. I, I always, I like to compare like the sports when it comes to like high performance sports. I always compare to Formula One or some other like very extreme sports because like you can get some tech aspects, you know, into the sport. You can take them out. Uh, we're not necessarily seeing who is the best, you know, of some of the time that we, we are not seeing who is the best of all time, but who is the best at that moment, that specific moment. So honestly, like it's, it's tough to talk about times because I mean, they were different with the suits. Uh, we saw what happened, especially in the, the world championships in 2009. Mm -hmm. I, I don't see them as necessarily bad because the, the attention swimming received during that year for us, it was, sensational i mean it was one of the most uh well the best times to make money swimming ever probably because all the world records it, it made the sport very attractive for the for the spectators so it's it's tough because it, then you kind of involve involves politics in it too involves uh companies and money so the decision won't be based on what's better for the sport necessarily but I, I, I just, I don't understand, honestly, why it was, uh, people hated, like, those results in that time so much. I was like, I don't remember anybody naked in the pool. So, I mean, everybody had the <laughs> chance to swim in it. And I'm not disputing if that race, like, like let's talk about, like, let's say the 50 freestyle, the 20.9. 
Freddy 20.94, I was 20.91. We're not talking about who is the fastest like uh, in history, although those those races are. But uh, at that time, with that, with those components in the pool, those were the times. So th this is how I see it, to be honest. I always wanted, uh, and, and this is really like something that is very deep inside of me. Like I always wanted to compete. And I wanted to have like a, a fair field where like I'm just challenging myself to see if I'm the best at that moment. So, I, you know, the suits or no suits for me were just a matter of, you know, can I get the suit and can I be in, the, in, in an equal environment to compete against everybody? If I can, it's good enough for me because I just want to be the best and the world champion of 2009. Like, I, I, I never thought of, well, oh, let's be the best in history. Like, the records are going to last now, like, more than 11 years. But that's not something, and I, and I believe most of the swimmers can answer that because that's not something that we chase, you know, as, as competitors. We want to be world champions. We want to be Olympic champions. And uh, the, the technical part, you know, the starting blocks with a ramp, the starting blocks without a ramp, it doesn't matter. You just got to be the best at the situation that is being presented. And I think the, deep down, this is what the most competitors want. So it doesn't, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I like the records are still up there. But uh, I think I think this year they, they, they're going to be gone. So I think Chalmers, uh, Caleb Dresso, they have a great chance of beating uh, those times. And uh, it should be fun to see those two racing. Yeah, and that perfect lead in my next question was going to be, you know, as an, as an analyst, as a swim fan, what, what do you, what do you think of, of Chalmers and Dressel coming so close to these records? And, and like you yeah. said, you know, having a really good shot at breaking them this year. Well, I'm not, oh, I'm not going to say I'm super happy. They're going to break it, <laughs> but honestly, it doesn't, it doesn't bother me because they are great swimmers. I mean, it's uh, it's good to see great swimmers doing what they're doing and performing the way they are. I think the 100 free is probably the most exciting race we're going to see at this Olympics in a very, very long time. 2019 was awesome to watch. And uh, it's hard to kind of put your money down in one of those two. I don't know who's going to win, man. It's, <laughs> it's a tough spot. But uh, I believe they, they have what it takes to, to swim you know, under the, the world record in both races, uh, while Caleb in the 50 and, and in the 100, Chalmers in the 100. Uh, so it's, uh, I, I think they, they're great talents. You know, they're great swimmers. They're great uh, ambassadors of the sport. I can put it this way. I mean, it's uh, the way they, they, they talk to the media, the way they, they do things. I think it's, it's very healthy for swimming to have such, uh, great swimmers, great champions, uh, leading the way the way they're doing for us. Absolutely, yeah. I've, I've I've had the pleasure of talking to Caleb quite a bit, and it's he's his perspective is is uh, very healthy. Like you said, it seems like he's has a really growth mind. He's always trying to grow. He's always trying to get better, and he, yeah. he's able to stay very humble. And Chalmers seems to carry himself in a very similar way, which is great for our sport. Like you said. Yeah, um, exactly. Was 
bringing the focus back to you was was there a time in your career obviously you talked about this 2008 olympics and how that was a mental roller coaster for you just in that meet um i mean especially after that time was there a particular period where you felt like you were in an unhealthy place in the sport yeah i mean we honestly i thought of quitting swimming like almost every year to be honest, like every season was a time where like, am I doing that again? Like, am I doing the whole thing again? Because yeah. you gotta, if you want to be successful, you got to start from the scratch. You can, you can take, you know, cutaways or, or trying to find ways to, you know, not do a, a few things that made you a champion before. So uh, I think, you know, like when it came to, to some of the years, that, that I really thought of, of quitting, like, honestly, like 2013 was one of those after Barcelona. I was like the, the world champions there. I was like, what am I going to still do in the sport? I was like, man, I, like I've done everything I wanted. And, but at the time, like I had the sponsors, I, I felt like I had the responsibility to, to continue swimming and to, to be around the national team. And then after Doha, again, after the world championships in, in Doha, I was like, and that's, that probably was one of the toughest time I had uh, after, after a big meet where I sat with Scott. We, we won the 100-meter freestyle there. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, like, I'm still here. Like, I'm seeing, like, a lot of countries having new swimmers coming in. And like, I'm still here. Like, what is going on? Like I swam against Eamon Sullivan in 2008. I swam against Magnussen in 2012. Now Chalmers is showing up. <laughs> like, I'm still here. I was like, yeah, like it feels like that That, that was the, the thing we were talking before. Like you get to a point after you win uh, and to achieve some of your goals that you lose a little bit of, of that urgency. And this is what the, the newcomers have a ton. So this is why it's so hard to maintain your career at, at a high level because you're not like you're not willing to put as much as you used to. And this is I think this is the main thing. Like I've, I've always enjoyed competing. I've always enjoyed like seeing if I could handle it, if I could take it. But when it came to training, I was like, man, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it correctly because I don't want to do it halfway. And, uh, but after Doha, like, I really, it really felt like he hit me. I was like, man, I'm, I think I'm done here. Like, and I kept doing everything I was doing the way I could do, but then my head wasn't there anymore. Like after the, the world championships in Doha, I was like, uh, I'm not here. And then everything that went through 2015, 16, I was just, I just felt like it was, you know, it wasn't fair for myself and to my career to finish that way. I was like, okay, I'm not, I'm not quitting swimming this way. I got to go to the the world championships level one more time and, and I'll finish, you know, the way it's supposed to. Then I got back in the pool, like in January of 2017. And then in nine weeks, like I, I popped like a 21 seven. I was like, okay, I'm back. We're good to go. Let's go to the world championships. Then we got that medal in the four by one freestyle against against the US. Mm-hmm. You, yeah, we gave you guys a, a good run all the way to the end. <laughs> that was such a great race. <laughs> yeah. And, I, and honestly, 
it was it was another moment in my career where I felt like uh, I had something very valuable to to share and and to kind of you know just be around the national team. I felt like the swimmers, especially in there, really, they were more confident before the race with me there. Like I saw them in the the Olympics. I saw them in 2015, and I was like, man, those kids are. They need something like they need, you know, somebody like a more like a rock just to say, hey, it's all good. Let's perform. You guys are good. Let's get it together and and put a goal in their in their minds. And I, I felt like in 2017, I was that guy. Like I was the older guy just getting the stuff right and uh, holding everybody accountable. And that race, even though I, I didn't have a great split, uh, we put together a great, great really together and. It was a great feeling to see that even though I was not at my best, like I could bring the best out in others. And that's when I started to think more of the, about my swimming clinics, about, you know, just staying in the national team, in the national team, just to kind of try to keep doing that for, for more swimmers. You know, if being around the team helps them in any way, I'm all in, man. I'm there to help them. If they believe, you know, having me on the pool deck is is healthy for the team, I'm I'm here for them. And this is when I started to shift a little more. I was like, okay, as long as I make the final in the 53 and bring back a couple of medals from the relay, I was like, this is it. This is what I want for, for my career. And then after the world championships in 2018, I was like, uh, now I feel like I'm good again. Like I got to that point where I was like, oh, I don't know, like what, what am I going to keep, you know, doing in the pool? I, I don't want to steal somebody's spot in the national team. Like if I'm not coming in to do my very best, I don't think it's fair to, to swim. Like I can be on the, be part of the staff or help them some, you know, in any other way. But like after the 2018 world championship, I was just like, okay, you know, I, I got to really think what I'm going to do because I don't want to, you know, have a space in the team and, and kind of, you know, destroy the, the dream of somebody else. I, it's, a, it's a great summary of this, this latter stage in your career. And I want to be respectful of your time. So I, I think that's a great stopping place for now. Um, it's Cesar, it's been so great catching up with you and, and hearing all these fun stories from your career, ups and downs. Um, before we sign off today, any parting thoughts you want to share with our listeners? It's been a pleasure, man. I hope they, they enjoy some of the stories. Uh, it's always good to remember some of them, and it, it brings back all the, the emotions. Uh, I just, I just want to thank everybody that has helped my, my career reach the level that I have reached. Uh, I mean, some of the, the teammates, some of the, the coaches, I mean, everybody is a part of, of, of my life and my, my career, and so it's, it's always fun to to share that with everybody and to show, especially the kids, that if there are any high schoolers listening to us, I mean, really, really take care of, of, of your stuff, take control of your life. Don't, don't wait for everything to, you know, kind of fall into your lap. Just start doing things with intention. And, you know, if you do it, I don't know if you're going to become a champion, but I'm pretty sure you're going to have, you know, a, a great life. Uh, in the pool and out of the pool. You've been listening to the Swim Swam podcast. Stay tuned for new episodes every week. You can take Swim Swam podcast on the go by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform. 
Look for links in the description below and be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel for more videos as well.